Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. I think of a scripture that says I came not to just give you life, but life in abundance. Aren't you thankful for the life that Jesus offers? Let me encourage you today. You don't have to search any farther, but your answer is found in Jesus Christ, and he's here today. The point has always been Jesus. Everything has always pointed to Jesus. The law pointed to Jesus. Right. familiar portion of scripture for your reading um we're just going to read a few verses here matthew eleven twenty eight says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest everybody say rest rest, rest. next verse take my yoke upon you and learn of me for i am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls and verse number 30 for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. I just want to preach for the next little bit on this title, Come Unto Me. Come Unto Me. Amen. And you may be seated in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. Are you going to help me preach this morning? Yeah. I can. I, I got a dry mouth going on and I can't get rid of it. So if I have to stop and take several drinks, please forgive me. Amen. So come unto me. Does anybody here um, enjoy sleeping? Like truly, truly. I'm not talking about sleeping during the sermon. I got my eye on some of you. No. <laughs> I'm not talking about sleeping during my message or sleeping during church ever. Uh, but truly enjoy sleep. I, 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 I love I love to sleep, and uh, I usually only get to sleep in one one day a week. It's usually Saturday, and uh, you know, call it beauty sleep, nap, snoozing, slumber, siesta, whatever you want. Sleep is can be sometimes your one true love. Honestly, it just it just makes everything right again. It makes you forget about your problems at work. It makes you forget about stress and disappointments of the day. It is undeniably a blessing. And somebody said, amen. Amen. I realized that I was getting older when before I went to bed, uh, I started to calculate how many hours of sleep I was going to get that night. Does anybody else do that? Am I the only one who does that? It's like, man, if I can go to sleep at like 9.45 and I do the quick math and stuff, I can, I can get this many. I realized I was getting old. It wasn't the gray hair that made me realize that it. it was when I started to calculate how many hours of sleep I was going to get. Easton cracks me up because that kid, he loves sleep. I mean, he is, I remember him being four years old and, and, and him sleeping in till 10 or 10.30 in the morning. This is unheard of. I, I thought, man, he just went from three to 16 years old in the, in the blink of an eye or something. You know, we're like, hey, Easton, it's time to get up. He's pulling the covers over his head. He's like, no, I don't want to get up. I don't want to get up. But, you know, sleep is a beautiful thing. 
And, and it's something that we all need. I need it. I need a lot more of it. I don't get, I don't get enough. And uh, a lot of times we don't think of it. We think, you know, sleeping, you know, it's for the lazy people and, you know, all that stuff. But actually sleep is a very good thing. And, and sometimes we get, we get all wound up about life and stressed out about everything that is going on. And what you and I really need is rest. What you and I really need is, is rest. One of my favorite passages in the Bible has to do with rest and it does more than just encourage rest. However, it redefines how we are to live it. Okay. It teaches us about a spiritual rest, a freedom from busyness and anxiety and fear. And uh, this past Wednesday or the Wednesday before, we were talking about the little foxes and everything. And we were talking about um, double-mindedness and, and, and our enemy that seeks to still kill and destroy. He's trying to distract us. He's trying to get us all double-minded and, and everything. And, and one of the ways that he does that, one of the ways that he distracts us is he gets us so busy with life he gets us doing so many things and we think that we're doing good things because we're able to multitask and do this 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 and this but at the end of the day we're just absolutely worn out we are pulled apart in every direction and what we really need is rest so one of my favorite passages in the bible is our text this morning matthew eleven twenty eight. jesus said come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for i am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest there's that word again rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light you see when jesus spoke these words he was talking to you got to remember you got to put yourself in 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 that that culture and that society's shoes and when he spoke these words he was talking to crowds of people who had grown up under the Jewish religious system. And you have to be aware of that. This was a system that was defined by law. This was a, a system of how people related to God. People related to God based on law. They lived their lives based on law. They raised their children based upon law. Their everyday, day-to-day -day activities was all based around law. And so when we think of them, you know, when we think of the term law today, uh, we, we think of, you know, government imposed restrictions. We think of speed limits. We think of traffic, uh, you know, uh, tickets from police officers. But to Israel... Law meant more than, you know, it meant more than just not passing a camel in a no passing zone. Okay. <laughs> it's okay to chuckle, you know, and stuff like, if I have to tell you that's a joke, you're gonna make me feel bad. Um, but it meant more to, more to them than that. When you, when you said law, it wasn't talking about, hey, you're in a school zone, watch your speed. It was referring to the law of Moses. Um, Around 1,500 years earlier, God, through Moses, gave the Israelites a series of laws that dealt with religious, moral, and practical uh, issues. And these laws were designed to help Israel maintain a high moral standard. You see, Israel, if you remember, they were surrounded by nations that practiced so many immoral things, such as uh, 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 human sacrifice, and there was incest, and there were uh, a whole plethora of immoral actions that was going on. So the law 
was God's provision to help people live their lives better, to give them more life, to help them enjoy life. And the most famous of these laws were the Ten Commandments, but that was only the start. The law of Moses was much more detailed than that, and it affected every area of life. The Israelites were commanded to keep this law down to the smallest detail, and if they failed in any way, they were guilty of sin. And did you know that one transgression against God's law is worthy of death? So, so what they did was, because they could not keep all the law all the time, they had to offer continual animal sacrifices for sin. And to make matters worse, in the centuries leading up to Jesus, the Jews had added several hundred additional laws to the law of Moses. And this body of laws was essentially tradition. It was meant to help people fulfill the original law by controlling their daily lives even more. It was incredibly detailed. It was even down to the smallest detail. It was, the, it was so, it, it was, there's such list of incredible detailed set of restrictions and stipulations and it was the Pharisees self-appointed duty to interpret and apply this law to everybody's lives. Has anybody ever uh, been told you look tired? <laughs> you ever been told you look tired? I hate it when people tell me that. Don't tell me that. Bryce, you look tired. Why don't you just say, Bryce, you look terrible? <laughs> That's really what you're saying when you say somebody looks tired, right? Someone walks up to you and says, hey, you look tired. I really want to look back and say, gee, thanks. Uh, you look terrible too. <laughs> but I would never do that. Some spiritual, but uh, moving on. <laughs> when Jesus came on the scene, people, they were stressed out. They were, they were worn out. They, were, they, they looked tired trying to please God. They were busy trying to do good in order to be good that they couldn't see how good life was. They couldn't enjoy God because they never quite measured up to the standard. They always needed a few more good deeds before God would accept them. They saw God as a legislator, as a law enforcer, as a cosmic po policeman who was obsessed with keeping people in line. That, that was why people reacted so strongly to Jesus' apparent indifference to sin. They said, man, he's hanging out with sinners. He, he's, he, 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 what, what's going on here? You see, he claimed to be God, yet he didn't come and he slapped a pair of handcuffs on anyone. He didn't hand out parking tickets or death sentence. He just loved people. He just loved people. You see, when Jesus said, I give you rest, people, they gasped. They were like, rest? What? 
You see, it was a blast of fresh air to them. They're like, rest, really? What, what does he mean, rest? What's he talking about? I thought serving God was hard work. I thought serving God was when I needed to be worn out and running all over the place and trying to do this, this, and this, and that. But Jesus promised an easy burden and a light yoke, which was a reference to the yokes that farmers placed on oxen and the burdens that they bore. Jesus was saying that he came to make life easier, to make life better. I I think of a scripture that says I came not to just give you life but life in abundance aren't you thankful for the life that Jesus offers he doesn't want to burden you down but he wants you to come unto him come unto him and find your rest come unto me come unto me you see, that was the opposite of what the people had experienced. That was the opposite, Brother Bishop, of their culture. That was the opposite of everything that was going on. For them, the law was a heavy yoke. It was an impossible burden. Religion was about trying harder and doing more. It was about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Good people were self-made people. People who knew how to suck it up and just work harder. Sounds a lot like our culture today. Christians and non-Christians alike are obsessed with being good people. We're obsessed with it. We go and we buy self-help books and we buy the books we buy the dvds and we we go to the seminars and we get counseling and we make new year's resolutions and we google our defects and uh come on anybody and trying to find a cure that's going to help us to make us better we get online and we google our bad defects and our bad habits hoping to find a cure and we are convinced that if we try hard enough we can perfect ourselves and we are worn out and desperately in need of rest. Not physical rest. We need spiritual rest. You and I need peace with God and with ourselves. But in a culture that is obsessed with perfecting ourselves, the results are we worry, we're stressed, we're anxious, we are tired. We're convinced that if we try hard enough, we can do it. We can accomplish it because that's just us. We're just like, we are grab the bull by the horns. We can just, we're go-getters. We can just do it. If I could just do it, I don't care how worn out I get. I'll just get it done. And we try and we try and we try. And at the end of the day, we find ourselves just worn out, stressed, and just done. Ready to just check out. Am I talking to anybody this morning? We're ready to just check out. We just need to take a time out. We just need to get away. We need spiritual rest. We need rest that only, that the rest that I'm talking about, that joy unspeakable that I'm talking about, that perfection that you and I are seeking. Can I tell you and preach to you that it's only found in one Jesus Christ? Let me encourage you today. You don't have to search any farther, but your answer is found in Jesus Christ and he's here today. Can he say, come unto me? 
Come unto me. When Jesus told people that he was the ultimate source of rest, I think something clicked in their minds. You see, this wasn't the first time that he had talked to them about the burdens and the law. This wasn't the first time that they had ever heard this kind of talk. You rewind just a little bit. Go all the way back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of one of the most famous sermons, probably Jesus' most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. Go through and read that. Picking up in verse 17, he says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. I I think, uh, and I hear Jesus preach that last line, and I think, man, he has got their attention now. Who could possibly be more righteous than the religious teachers and the Pharisees? They were the epitome of religiosity. And they let everybody know it, too. The common, I could just picture the common everyday guy was just shaking his head, standing there listing those words and saying, how is that possible? Righteousness that is greater than the Pharisees? (laughs) I'm in trouble. And it's funny because you, 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 at that point in the message, Jesus is just, he's just kind of getting warmed up. He hadn't even called for the music yet. You know, when you hear the music get called, you're like, we're getting close to the end of the sermon here and stuff. He hadn't even called for the music yet. He's just getting warmed up. Jesus breaks down what it means to be righteous and perfect on a practical day-to-day level. He goes through a list of topics. And for each one, he starts out, he says, you have heard. And then he quotes a common explanation of the law, and then he follows with, but I say. And he basically says that what they had been taught, though it was strict, wasn't strict enough. And that God wanted more. God required them to go a step further. And you, you have to realize these weren't, these weren't just, these, these weren't just, uh, uh, pet peeves of his. He, Jesus wasn't being picky. He wasn't having a bad day. You have to remember, not only was he the, the all-knowing God in the flesh, but he had grown up in this culture. He knew how the people got around God's commandments. He knew how they would sidestep the law and how they could perfect themselves even though they didn't do it all like it was supposed to be. He knew how they got around it. He had seen them justify their injustice and sanctify their sin with shallow religious-sounding arguments. 
and he's going to call them out right here, right now, in front of everybody on top of a mountain. He's going to call them out. He starts out, he says, you have heard it said, thou shall not kill. And everybody's like, whoo, I'm good. Haven't murdered anybody. Okay, I'm good. Might have stepped on an ant on the way here, but I haven't murdered anybody. I'm in the clear. And Jesus continues that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. And I could picture the crowd getting as silent as this room is right now. Awkwardly silent. What did he just say? <laughs> Don't get mad at my brother. I can't get mad at my neighbor. Clearly Jesus doesn't know who my neighbor is, right? <laughs> he don't know who I live next to. He don't know who I go to work with. He don't know who I go to school with. I can't be mad at my neighbor. What's he talking about? And Jesus continues. I mean, he's relentless. He's merciless. He touches on, he touches on all these topics. He touches on a, a, a divorce, on revenge, on enemies. Each time he points out that even though they thought they were righteous, they were only fooling themselves. He finishes with this, verse 43. He says, you have heard it, that it had been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute I can imagine that Jesus didn't have much of an amen corner. There was no Hammond B3 that was firing up over in the corner and everybody shouting, hallelujah, preach on preacher, that's good stuff. They weren't standing back waving their hankies in the air saying, that's right. I think by this point they had figured out that this message is not a feel-good sermon. It's not an encouraging one. In fact, to them it was probably downright depressing. And in case someone made it through the message without having his or her self-righteousness wrong, Jesus caps it off by saying, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And there is a resounding round, there's this rousing just silence. It was hard enough to be righteous before. I could barely keep up with everything that the Pharisees told me to do. But this, Jesus, this is impossible. And to that, he says, exactly. Yes. Exactly. That was the point. Exactly. 
Jesus wanted them to know that if they intended to live by the law, they couldn't just pick and choose parts that they liked in order for them to feel good about themselves, but they had to follow all the law or they might as well not follow any of it. And I don't believe that Jesus was being mean. He wasn't being mean. He was showing them that their own inconsistencies in their hurry to be good, they had redefined holiness so they could fulfill the law on their own. And they had essentially moved the goalposts, so to speak. They had redrawn the foul lines. They had found ways to justify themselves in their own eyes. They had deluded themselves into thinking that they could be perfect on their own. The biggest problem, church, was that not it wasn't that they were still sinning. God was used to that. It was that they thought they were righteous. They thought they were good enough to get into heaven on their own merit. Self-righteousness is one of the greatest hindrances to a relationship with God. Bottom line is they had missed the whole point of the law. They thought the point was being good and doing good, but it wasn't. Jesus was the point. The point has always been Jesus. Everything has always pointed to Jesus. The law pointed to Jesus. Right. Your do good in your life should point to him. The way you treat people should point to him. The way you walk should point to him. The way you talk should point to him. Everything that we do should point to a cross. It should point to Jesus Christ. Everything, everything. He's our motive. He's our reason. Jesus was the point. Jesus has always been the point. Let me encourage you today, don't miss the point of of everything, why you do what you do. Because as soon as you lose your why, the devil's going to step in and he's going to redefine why you're doing stuff. And all of a sudden, it's not going to be out of love. All of a sudden, it's just going to be a bunch of book, a bunch of rules and a bunch of uh, to-do lists that we have to do in order to get this. But don't make no mistake about it. The reason we do what we do is because of Jesus Christ. The reason that we do what we do is because we love him. Because he... He is the point. He's the point. He's the reason. I'm glad you're here today, but you're not the reason I came. You're a part of it, but you're not the main reason. Amen. I woke up this morning with my mind on Jesus. I woke up this morning and said, get me to the house of the Lord so I can worship my God. I love you, and I'm glad you're here. But you're not the reason that I put on a suit and tie. You're not the reason that I pray. You're not the reason that I do what I do. Jesus is the reason. Oh, you're a part of it, but Jesus is the reason. He's the reason. He's the point. As Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, people realized that they needed a better righteousness than they had. They realized 
that their holiness wasn't good enough. They realized that their attempts to be good wasn't good enough. And I can imagine them, what what then were they to do? What's the next step? What were they supposed to do? Which direction were they supposed to go? Where were they supposed to turn? Remember this, in Matthew 5, if you read straight through to Matthew 11, you can see Jesus' point. He was setting them up to understand a truth that would set them free. Somebody needs to set free today. They might just need set free from the weight and bondage of this world. Read through to Matthew 5, chapter, to chapter 11. He's, Jesus is setting them up. He's setting them up to reveal a truth to them that's going to help them, that's going to set them free. And the truth is this, 1128, come unto me. Yes, yes, yes. Come unto me. Are you weary? Are you carrying a heavy burden? You have to remember, that was everybody who was listening to him. It's the same as me asking that question here today. Are you weary? Are you carrying a heavy burden? You got some things in your life that are just weighing you down. That's just about everybody here today. Jesus said, are you weary? Are you carrying a heavy burden? And Jesus saying, come unto me. And I will give you rest. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're carrying a burden that is heavy for you today, it is not the burden of the Lord because His is light. His is light. His is light. Would you stand with me here today? I could picture them as they stood and heard those words, come unto me and I'll give you rest. Church, this was music to their ears. They were tense and stressed, straining to live holy lives. And it wasn't working. You ever wonder why some Christians are so disgruntled and for lack of better terms, grumpy in this life? You ever wonder why you pass such people who are quote unquote Christians, yet they seem so unhappy? Oftentimes, it's because they are so worried about their own sin or about everybody else's sin that they can't enjoy life. You see, for Israel, the law was never meant to be about the law. It was never meant to be about the law. It was about relationship with God. It was about Jesus. It all pointed to Jesus. John chapter 5 Jesus says to the Pharisees you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life but the scriptures point to me they all they all point to me 
Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. That's why he could say, that's why he, that's why he came to accomplish the purpose of the law. All the law, the prophecies, and the teachings that the Israelites studied day in and day out, they all pointed to him. They all pointed to the Messiah. They all pointed. God wanted people to do their best, of course. Make no mistake about it. But ultimately, he wanted them to know that they needed a Savior, that they needed a Messiah. same principle holds true today God doesn't want us just to try to try harder work harder get busier he appreciates our efforts but when we make life about doing good and being better when we make holiness an end of itself we miss the point Church, don't forget about what your motive is or what it should be. The reason that we all stand here today should be because of a Savior that died on a cross for our sins, who came, a God who robed himself in flesh. He took on the form of a servant. He humbled himself. He was obedient even unto the death of the cross. He, may, he didn't even make a question about it. He was focused. He came to die for the sins, and not just the sins of the people in this church, but for the sins of the entire world. And that's the reason we stand here today and lift up our hands and cry hallelujah, praise the Lord. Jesus is the point. A relationship with Jesus is the point. Yes, we are to have rules and, and standards and, and, uh, and all those things, but we should be doing those things because we love Him, because we love Him, because we seek Ye first the kingdom of God, because we put Him first in our lives. That's why we do those things. Right, right. That's true. Don't miss the point. Don't miss the point. Don't miss him. But hear the invitation of the Lord today. Come. Come. Come unto me. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I, we have a promised church. He said, I will give you rest. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. We have a promise if, of rest if we'll just come unto Him. Another scripture says if we'll abide in Him, He'll abide in us. Every head bow and every eye closed in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in such a mighty way. I feel the anointing. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I just pray right now, ask you, would you just be sensitive right now to the leading of the Holy Ghost? Would you be sensitive to the tug on your heart that you feel right now? Can I tell you that the Lord is trying to touch you? He's trying to get you to hear the invitation. Come unto me. Come unto me. 
come unto me. Come on. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Are you carrying a burden that you just wish you can get rid of? This altar is open this morning to those who want to who hear the call. Come unto me. Those who want to respond to the invitation, come unto me. We have a promise from the Lord that he's going to give us rest. Come on. This altar is open as they begin to play and sing today. Would you just come? Would you just come and stand here today? Would you? Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.